Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Now, the left-wing media will be monitoring this show so it can talk about what I had to say about this historic nominee. My God. A historic nominee. Kamala Harris. The first woman of color to ever be nominated to run for Vice President of the United States. And you better be damn careful what you have to say about her. Because it's a twofer. You'll be accused of sexism and racism. And yet it's the Democrat voters and the Democrat Party that's guilty of sexism and racism. Why? They refuse to nominate to have a historic nominee, the first woman of color for President of the United States. In fact, they rejected her overwhelmingly. She had to leave the race before the first vote because she was at 2%. She couldn't even garner the support of black voters in the Democrat Party. And so the Democrat Party is both sexist and racist. The only way Kamala Harris gets on this ticket is when an old, white, often bigoted man chooses to run with her for cover. Told you months ago it would be Harris. Who the hell else would it be? And she will be running not as the historic figure, She'll be running a Spiro Agnew. Now, what do I mean by that? 
Some of you are too young to remember Spiro Agnew. He'd been vice president of the United States before he resigned over corruption charges. Spiro Agnew was used to attack. To attack the Democrats and to attack the media. To attack, 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 attack. And so she will be Spiro Agnew, if you will, in drag in many respects. Now, how do we know this? Because of the way she treated Brett Kavanaugh. I've seen some tough Supreme Court hearings. Nasty. What was done to Robert Bork by Joe Biden and his buddy Ted Kennedy. What was done to Clarence Thomas by Joe Biden and his buddy Ted Kennedy. The Kavanaugh hearing, well, that took the cake, as we say. Thanks to the likes of Kamala Spiro Agnew Harris and her ilk. And this is what drew the attention, I'm sure, of out of lunch, Joe. So let us put the marker down. Let us go on record that it's the Democrat Party that rejected Kamala Spiro Agnew Harris. Write that down carefully, New York Slimes and Washington Compost. You, in the media, you rejected her. We Republicans had nothing to do with her. We conservatives had nothing to do with it. You took her out, and you took her out early. And James Clyburn, the number three Democrat in the House, African-American, he helped take her out. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, the three white stooges, they're the ones who took her out. Now, she's the child of immigrants, as we're reminded over and over again. Her father of Indian heritage, her mother of Jamaican heritage. She is not an African-American, but she is a woman of color. She is a woman of color. Rejected by the Democrat Party. But now she's historic, Mr. Producer. Now she's historic. Oh, my God. And she's a genius. And she's a safe pick. And now the Republicans are going to be on the run. Not good enough, according to the Democrat voters, including the Democrat black voters. Not good enough to be their nominee. No, no, they had to reach way down for Joe Biden. But good enough to be the vice presidential nominee. And now, I think Donna Brazil said she's very excited. How do you like that? They're very excited. Well, let's take a little trip down memory lane, if we may. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden battling over busing and desegregation. You may remember this some months ago. But let me refresh your recollection. Now that Kamala Harris is is historic. Cut one, go. And I will say also that, that in this campaign, we've also heard, and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden, um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful, to hear you talk about the reputations of two 
United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public school. By the way, hold the presses. We will address this later in the program. How she deceived about this. But nonetheless, go ahead. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. Now, what does she mean by this, that she supports supports busing on racial grounds? Is that what that means? Because it was a total disaster. It created more segregated communities, not less. And white and black communities, my recollection, has had a serious problem with it. So is she saying she supports busing for racial purposes? Because if that's what she's saying, she needs to campaign on that and make that abundantly clear. She opposes school choice, of course, which would improve schools in all communities, particularly inner city, minority communities, people of color. She opposes that because they're bought and paid for by the three million army strong teachers unions, which are closing schools all over the country. She opposes school choice, but apparently racial based busing she supports, which was a disaster. Go ahead. General of California, I was very proud to put in place a a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. Senator Harris, thank you. Vice President Biden, you have been invoked. We are going to give you a chance to respond. I guess those are her 2% supporters there. Go ahead. It's a mischaracterization of my position across the board. I do not praise racists. That is not true, number one. Number two, if we want to have this campaign litigated on who supports civil rights and whether I did or not, I'm happy to do that. I was a public defender. I didn't become a prosecutor. I came out and I left a good law firm to become a public defender. All right, all right. He was a public defender for what, three weeks, something like that? Because he ran for... uh... Uh, city council in Delaware. Go ahead. In fact, when in fact, when in fact my city was in flames because of the the uh, assassination of Dr. King. Number one. Now, number two. As the U.S. as excuse me, as the uh, uh, vice president of the United States, I work with a man who, in fact, we worked very hard to see to it we dealt with these issues in a major, major way. The fact is that in terms of busing. The busing, I never, you would have been able to go to school the same exact way because it was a local decision made by your city council. That's fine. That's one of the things I argued for, that we should not be, we should be breaking down these lines. But so the bottom line here is, look, everything I've done in my career, I ran because of civil rights. I continue to think we have to make fundamental changes in civil rights. And those civil rights, by the way, include not just only African-Americans, but the LGBT community. But but Vice President Biden... Do you agree today, do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America? Then? No. Do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I opposed. Okay, that's but- actually not true either. There was no Department of Education. 
until Jimmy Carter became president of the United States. Now, that aside, something like around 1978, we have what he said, and he opposed busing. But more to the point, Kamala Harris supports race-based busing, and apparently supports it at a federal level. You've got to listen carefully to what candidates are saying. Go ahead. There was a failure of of states to to integrate public schools in America. I was part of the second class to integrate Berkeley, California. You were part of the second class, she says. She was part of the second class. Go ahead. Public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was a so local that's decision. where the federal government must step the, in. The that's federal, why we so the federal law. government must order race-based busing, which again was a failure. We have a piece here, June 28, 2019. Has to be true. It's from the media. Sacramento Bee. California Senator Kamala Harris got into a testy exchange for former Vice President Joe Biden at the first Democratic debate over racial issues. She repeated the line, uh, you know, there was a little girl in California as part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day, and that little girl was me. She said I was part of the second class to integrate Berkeley, California public schools almost two decades after Brown versus Board of Education. And Harris's campaign immediately posted an elementary school photo of the senator on Twitter and started selling $30 That Little Girl Was Me t-shirts on the website to commemorate the viral moment. She received praise from some California lawmakers after the debate, including Governor Newsom, who tweeted, America saw tonight what I've seen for 25 years. Couldn't be more proud of Kamala Harris. But Harris's story of integration is more complex than she made it out to be. In other words, we have two liars running on the Democrat side. While it's true she was among the second class of students at Thousand Oaks Elementary School to participate in a fully integrated busing program, she was far from the first black child to attend the school. Data from the Berkeley United, uh, Unified School District shows the school had 15 black students in 1963, a year before Harris was born. They represented 3% of the total elementary school student pop- body, while other schools in the district had a black population of 97%. A fierce advocate of integration, Neil Sullivan moved to California in 1964 to take over as superintendent. In the subsequent years, a task force reported to him to address the de facto segregation in the community. In 1967, Sullivan's teams drafted a plan for all elementary schools to have black representation between 35 to 45 percent. Now, by that time, the district had already desegregated its secondary schools, grades 7 to 12. Black representation had grown slightly in the early 60s, but by 1967, the district considered its schools to be partially desegregated, but still making progress toward racial integration. And the Sacramento Bee looked at the records. The records show one in 10 students at Thousand Oaks Elementary in 67 were black. The schools shall be totally desegregated in September 1968, and we might make history on that day, Sullivan said. After a pilot program and the launch of a formal busing program that fall, the schools had been more evenly divided during the first year of the program, a year before Harris arrived in 1967. Black enrollment jumped from 10 to 37 percent. The district's data shows an increase in black representation at Thousand Oaks from 37 to 41 percent by the end of Harris's first year of school. Harris's campaign did not respond to specific questions about the senator's comments, but reaffirmed the fact that she entered Thousand Oaks Elementary School in the fall of 69, 
the second year full integration for the district's elementary schools. The point of the Sacramento, Sacramento Bee story is the schools were desegregated by the time Kamala was on that bus. Just so you know. I'll be right back. Lovin. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. So as we scroll down the Drudge Report, it's Kamala big red print and you scroll down a little more red meaning you got to read this biden harris first appearance set for wednesday in delaware quote fearless fighter for the little guy unquote quoting biden first black woman on major party ticket axelrod pick as do no harm candidate obama nailed it so old matt's become a propagandist for the left I can't explain it. I can't help it. Just the way it is. We've got a lot more uh, to discuss about uh, the candidate that the Democrat Party rejected for the head of the ticket, often and early, uh, but who's now a uh, a fantastic candidate, a do no harm, and she and the pick nailed it. Too bad Obama didn't endorse her during the presidential primary. I mean, she didn't even come close. This is what I'm telling you. And now everybody's supposed to be uh, uh, breathless about the, uh, the choice as a vice president. The candidate running, by the way, his name is Biden. That's really the focus. But I want to spend uh, more time. Uh, Kamala Harris, this is your life, at least part of it. I'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in. Whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. 
And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Levin, the modern voice of the Founding Fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Remember Tulsi Gabbard? Uh, she's a congressperson woman from the state of Hawaii. We never hear from Tulsi anymore, do we? She used to be on primetime Fox all the time. I don't see her anymore. She's a woman of color, too, you know. Cut 17, go. All across this country today. Now, Senator Hold on, Harris let me set this up pro- properly. This is during the debate, a debate, uh, in which Tulsi Gabbard takes on the historic uh, Kamala Harris. Let's start at the top again, please. Cut 17, go. All across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Oh, my. No wonder Biden picked her. She's as vicious as Biden. But she's a historic figure. There you have a woman of color attacking a woman of color. Uh, But she's a historic figure, and she's a safe pick. They keep saying on TV, I'm just regurgitating what they say to mock them. They never said, oh, there's Sarah Palin. She's a historic figure. She's a sick. No, they went after to destroy her. To destroy her. To play games and all the rest. Set her up. Then there's this from Kamala Harris. Again, you'll hear none of this. News time. You'll hear historic, safe pick. We're excited. Um, Let's see. Uh, Kamala Harris said uh, she believes women who say they felt uncomfortable after receiving unwanted touching from former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh Uh-oh. You hear that, Mr. Producer? Quote, I believe them and I respect them being able to tell their story and having the courage to do it. Harris said at a presidential campaign event last year in Nevada. The California senator added that Biden will need to decide for himself whether to run for president. He's going to have to make that decision for himself. I wouldn't tell him what to do. In recent days, several women have come forward to allege that Biden has touched them inappropriately. We don't hear from those women anymore. I guess the DA in Manhattan is not investigating Biden. Oh. Former Nevada state lawmaker Lucy Flores, a Democrat, made the first accusation last week in an an, uh, essay 
In New York Magazine's The Cut, uh, Amy Lapos told the Hartford Current that Biden also touched her inappropriately at a 2009 fundraiser in Connecticut, the nutmeg state. Two additional women, Caitlin Caruso and DJ Hill, came forward Tuesday sharing their experiences with the New York Slimes, which, of course, the New York Slimes has been running with ever since. Not. Biden, who's considering running for president, has led a number of polls, Democrats, has not commented publicly on the accusations. Not once, never did I believe I acted improperly, Biden added. If it is suggested I did so, I will listen respectfully. And Tara Reid is missing. She's in the witness protection program. But Harris believed Tara Reid, and she believed all the other women. Will she be asked about that, ladies and gentlemen? No. No way. Can't ask her about that. Here I have a letter in front of me. This was made public November 11, 2019. A few weeks before Harris decided to leave the Democrat primary because the voters in the Democrat primaries, including black voters, did not consider her particularly historic and didn't care about either her race or her gender, which is why they went with Biden. Now, this is a public letter. To whom it may concern, it is with a heavy heart that I submit my resignation as State Operations Director at Kamala Harris for the People, effective November 30, 2019. This is my third presidential campaign, and I've never seen an organization treat its staff so poorly. While I still believe that Senator Harris is the strongest candidate to win the general election in 2020, not, I no longer have confidence in our campaign or its leadership. The treatment of our staff over the last two weeks was the final straw in this very difficult decision. How you treat your staff, how you treat the little people, gives us a picture into your soul. And so we have a picture into her soul. It's not acceptable to me that we encouraged people to move from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore, only to delay them off with no notice, with no plan for the campaign, and without thoughtful consideration of the personal consequences to them or the consequences that their absence would have on the remaining staff. It is unacceptable that we would lay off anyone that we hired only weeks earlier. It is unacceptable that with less than 90 days until Iowa, we still don't have a real plan to win. Our campaign for the people is made up of diverse talent, which is being squandered by indecision and a lack of leaders who will lead. That is unacceptable. Boy, she's really damning Kamala, who's a historic figure. When morale has never been lower and additional people, even if only three, are laid off and neither the campaign manager or the chair addresses the staff to explain, apologize or reassure us of the decisions being made and the push forward, something has got to give. Presidential campaigns are incredibly challenging work, and for good reason. We're asking people to trust us, to look out for them, to have their best interests at heart. Campaigns have highs and lows, mistakes and miscalculations, lessons learned and adjustments made. But because we have refused to confront our mistakes, foster an environment of critical thinking and honest feedback, or trust the expertise of talented staff, we find ourselves making the same unforced errors over and over again. Wow, what a great manager. And it certainly does not help the team to read about campaign discord in Politico or various other publications because those with things to say have decided the best way to air their grievances is in the press instead of to leadership. 
This is not how I would have ever imagined my time at this campaign ending. And like I said, this was not an easy decision. I only hope that my departure might result in some serious consideration of our structure, our goals, our internal communications, and what our organizational values are. We have really amazing people on staff. I'd hate for any more to get to the point where I find myself writing this letter of resignation. Kelly Mellenbacher. My goodness, I'm sure the media will want to interview Kelly. Working for a historic figure who was rejected by the Democrats and their voters. Then I found this. I'm sorry, I did a little bit of research today. It wasn't hard. I'm sure the media won't. I'm reading from the media. I'm literally reading their articles. I'm literally playing the, the clips from the debates. It's not that hard. I'm one person. There are hundreds of thousands of leftists and thousands of media types. But it's the Praetorian Guard. This is from Ricky L. Jones, apparently uh, an opinion piece. And he's apparently quite the leftist. For the Courier-Journal, back on December 11, 2019, not that long ago. And he's very upset. What happened to Kamala Harris? Because she pulled out of the race by then. The once celebrated presidential candidate recently called it quits, and mainstream pundits struggled to explain why. Some argued she never articulated a clear and cons- consistent message distinguishing her from competitors. Others believe she irreparably damaged herself by supporting Medicare for All, albeit offering several confusing iterations, which may uh, see as a political non-starter. Some said Harris's campaign was simply poorly run. Others opined she was the victim of a racially stacked primary deck. Even though Barack Melhouse Benito Obama surprisingly won Iowa in 2008, Harris struggled to gain support in the small, mostly white state whose African-American population is a whopping 3.8%. Now, all that may be true, but it misses the most important part of the story. It was one thing for Harris to receive little to no support from whites in Iowa, but how could the fact that blacks in South Carolina and beyond weren't excited about her either? How can that be explained? Indeed, Harris was quick to showcase her racial bona fides early in her candidacy. She graduated from Howard University, a legendary historically black school. I heard that from Donna Brazil today. That has yielded American icons from Thurgood Marshall to Toni Morrison to Chadwick Boseman. She's also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, a blue blood black sorority with a socio-political network supposedly so extensive that CNN's Reston called it Harris's secret weapon. Harris even announced her candidacy on Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 2019. That and her blind side of Joe Biden on his busing record made it clear she was attempting to lure African-American votes by wrapping herself in the cloak of the black struggle. It didn't sell. While some members of the self-involved black bourgeoisie nauseatingly praised her, younger blacks and black progressives were taking deeper, dispassionate dives into Harris's real-world record. They didn't like what they found. To the chagrin of her supporters, so this is from the left, close examinations of the woman who took pride in the title of California's top cop by writers like Lara Bazelon, C.J. Caramella, Sarah Lustbauder, Viada Golopoli, George Garofoli, <coughs> excuse me, and others revealed that Harris had been nothing close to the civil rights warrior she claimed to be. In actuality, she'd spent much of her professional life prosecuting and persecuting poor people and minorities. Bazelon wrote that Harris opposed or stayed silent on multiple aspects of criminal justice reform. She laughed when a reporter asked her about decriminalizing marijuana 
before reversing course years later as public opinion changed. She opposed a bill requiring her office to investigate police shootings. She also opposed statewide police officer body camera regulations. Now she claims she ordered her people to wear them. Her record on police reform, again, this is from the left, was so troubling for many that Garofoli cited former Harris supporter and California activist Felicia Jones lamenting how many more people need to die before she steps in. And Harris didn't stop there, he writes. She even fought for a law that would prosecute parents of habitually truant elementary schoolers despite concerns it would disproportionately affect low-income people of color, and she did prosecute them. When Harris released her memoir, The Truths We Told, Caramella reviewed it and wrote, Kamala Harris's new book tries to massage her record as a prosecutor, but the facts aren't pretty. I wonder if this will be read on CNN, MSNBC, and newsrooms across America. In the book, she claims America is a deep and dark history of people using the power of the prosecutor as an instrument of injustice. She goes on, I know this history well of innocent men framed, of charges brought against people without sufficient evidence, of prosecutors hiding information that would exonerate defendants, of the disproportionate application of the law. I hope Vice President Pence is listening because nobody lays out a case as well as I do. Basilton retorts with a damning condemnation. All too often, Harris was on the wrong side of that history. In reality, she fought tooth and nail to uphold wrongful convictions that had been secured through official misconduct that included evidence tampering, false testimony, and the suppression of crucial information by prosecutors. She would have fit in well with the Obama administration. And to top it all off, Harris never wavered in her support of the death penalty. To be sure, there are still some blacks anxious to celebrate the first black, this and the only black, that. This guy must be African American. For that matter, they will genuflect for any blacks in high places. Importantly, others aren't so easily bamboozled anymore by black people who say and do anything to get ahead, only claim concern for black folk when it's convenient, and then abandon them when they get what they want. Shockingly, some black people aren't even beginning to reevaluate Barack Obama. Oh, this guy's hardcore, Mr. Producer. In the end, Kamala Harris left the race largely because she couldn't secure the critical black support any black presidential candidate must have. And contrary to arguments centering on pragmatism, most black folk didn't reject her because they thought she couldn't win. They didn't support her because they didn't trust her. And they were wise not to, he writes. Other milquetoast black candidates, Deval Patrick, should take Harris' fall as a lesson. And he goes on. Ricky Jones has chaired the Pan-African Studies at the University of Louisville. And he's written several books. Not exactly a moderate. But you can see his view of the historic figure. I'll be right back. Lovin. Now I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. 
And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. We'll have lots of time during the course of this campaign to talk about Kamala Harris. Um, this case, this uh, decision will be made based on Joe Biden, however. And I think the decision will come down to uh, after the debates. That's why the debates are absolutely crucial. I'm also not one of these who believes that Joe Biden cannot debate. He will mumble. He will screw up. But now that's kind of baked into the cake. But I think he will do more poorly than he has in the past. More poorly. Because he's not sure what positions to take. He's taken on Bernie Sanders' agenda. But he's also taken on other agendas. So he's an empty suit. The left will push their agenda through him should he become president, God forbid. But this is in the uh, Washington Examiner today by Quinn Hillier. With the choice of Kamala Harris as his running mate, Joe Biden has taken another large step toward blowing the election. To swing voters, suburban soccer moms turned off by the president, Harris will prove to be an anathema. Her crusading leftism, hard-edged personal style, and facial sneer will make her like 10,000 fingernails on 1,000 loud chalkboards, amplified by a boom microphone so strong it could be heard for 100 miles. As my colleague Tim Carnley noted two weeks ago, Harris tanked in the polls as soon as she got national exposure during the Democratic debates. Throughout her presidential run, Gallup never found her to have higher favorables than unfavorables, and they're still bad. And among independents in a recent poll, for instance, she was underwater with 33% unfavorable. So in other words, pretty good pick, I'd say, from my perspective. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Aaron Blake is a senior political reporter writing for The Fix, which is a uh, a column in the Washington Compost. As the Washington Compost says, he's a senior political reporter. No, excuse me. He's the senior political reporter. A Minnesota native. He also has written about politics for the Minnesota Star Tribune and the Hill newspaper. 
I'm going to use him as an example of why the press in America is not free and why it's destroying itself, and thereby undermining the republic. Aaron Blake's a perfect example. We cited him yesterday, but let's go on. This is a leftist with an agenda. He pretends to be a reporter, and he moves in and out of being an analyst. What does that mean? That means he's not a reporter. Now, you saw my interview, many of you, with the Attorney General Sunday night. We don't need interpreters. It was in plain English. I asked questions. He gave answers. Sometimes I made a statement. Sometimes he replied. It was all over the news. You can go find it on the Internet. You can go to my sites. It's there. But Aaron Blake, being a senior political reporter, needs to report on it. Not report on what was said, but to give his opinion. Now, they will not do this to the historic figure Kamala Harris, who could barely muster any votes during the presidential primary, so she dropped out early. But now she's the greatest human being that Joe Biden could have ever chosen. But I want you to listen to how this works. This is Aaron Blake, reporter. Former Obama administration attorney general Eric Holder's criticism of current attorney general William P. Barr. And you see right away, he's a mouthpiece for Holder. Had been met with apoplexy by President Trump's supporters. Holder, after all, once dubbed himself Obama's wingman. So how can he or other critics complain about Barr going out of his way to support Trump's political agenda? Did Barr go out of his way to support Trump's political agenda? They share the same philosophy. That doesn't mean he's going out of his way to support his political agenda, Aaron. Where was he educated? Does it say here? Where did he go to school? There's a rather large and growing difference between the two situations, though. And that was on full display this week in an interview Barr gave to Fox News host Mark Levin. Over the course of a lengthy discussion, Barr waded deeply into political matters far beyond regular Justice Department business. He attacked the president's opponents, both real and perceived. No. He attacked the Russia collusion coup attempt. He attacked Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the other people who are rioting, looting, victimizing, and undermining police officers. That's what he did. That's what he did. Oh, he went to the University of Minnesota. The idiot, given what's going on in Minnesota and Minneapolis, he still writes like an idiot. He attacked the president's opponents, both real and perceived, and lodged the latest in a series of conspiracy theories about their true motives. That's three paragraphs with no news, no information. Just the figment of this loser's imagination and limited brain power. The most well-publicized remarks from the interview came when Barr accused the political left of withdrawing from appropriate political discourse and becoming a Rousseauian revolutionary party that believes in tearing down the system. He said the left is interested only in complete political victory. They're not interested in compromise, Barr said. They're not interested in dialectic exchange of views. They're interested in total victory and that it's a secular religion. It's a substitute for religion. They view their political opponents as evil because we stand in the way of their progressive utopia and they're trying to, which they're trying to reach. 
Barr elaborated, though, that many of them are just cowards, are mostly interested in getting reelected, and are afraid of a challenge from the left's. So for them, it's careerism. You know, I sort of like my current gig, and I'll do anything to stay here. I won't stand up for what is right. I won't stand up for the country. I won't stand up for our institutions. Now, I am looking through the, the, some of the articles that this man has written. And I don't see him coming out guns blazing against the Democrats in the House Judiciary Committee. I just don't. At another point, Barr ventured, you know, that's what turns them on, and it's the lust of power, and they weren't expecting Trump's victory, and it's, it outrages them. Law enforcement generally deals in facts as they are known. Here, Barr delves deeply into speculation about the true motivation of his political opponents. No, he's not. The political opponents say what they're for. All you have to do is listen to them and draw your conclusions. So he's not speculating at all. There's no conspiracy theory here. Aaron, may I call you Aaron? Barr did much the same thing when it comes to Black Lives Matter. Levin teed up his line of questioning by noting that one of the movement's co-founders said in 2015 that she and another co-founder were trained Marxists. Barr then took the ball and ran quite a bit further to describe the whole movement. They're a revolutionary group that is interested in some form of socialism, communism, Barr said. Well, that's who they are, Mr. Journalist. They're essentially Bolsheviks. Their tactics are fascistic. That's what they are. That's what they do. There's an outstanding study on this that's been done that Aaron hasn't reviewed. At other points in the interview, Barr ripped a page out of Trump's well-worn playbook, accusing their opponents of the same things of which Trump has been accused. This is a journalist giving an analysis. This is what you have to be and how you have to think to work for the Washington Compost under Fred Ryan and his regime over there. While Trump has laid waste to political norms left and right, Barr said of Democrats, they've shredded the norms of our system to do what they can to drive him out of office or to uh, debilitate his administration. Fact. But of course, the Washington Compost participated in that and continues to, doesn't it? For which it got Pulitzers. Much like Walter Durante got a Pulitzer for spewing Stalinist propaganda in 1932 in the pages of the New York Slimes. While Trump campaigned against the, uh, his Hillary Clinton against his Hillary Clinton in 2016 by promoting Lock Her Up, Barr said, I think all political sides have gotten into the habit in this country of just sort of saying that their political opponents have done something terrible. They think it's terrible. You know, it's enough for me to conclude he is terrible. Why isn't he in prison? At least in this case, Barr acknowledged some culpability for his own party. Doesn't this guy write as if he works for Biden or the DNC, Mr. Producer? Still another point, and he gives Barr no credit, doesn't acknowledge anything he says is accurate, because he's a hack. Still another point, Barr elaborated on his increasingly vociferous criticism of the Russia investigation, calling it the doomsday scenario of abuse of government power, which is the part, by the way, pal, the inspector general slammed them. Uh, other information's come out. You might want to write, aren't you the senior political writer, journalist? Barr himself has issued a misleading summary of the Mueller report. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. What? Pre-spinning it in Trump's favor. He also interviewed, intervened in a number of justice. And it goes on and on and on. 
as if he's working with Adam Schiff and the Biden campaign and the DNC, Aaron Blake. What a jackass, what a schmo. Ladies and gentlemen, you can never trust Aaron Blake. You can never trust the, the Washington Compost. I did an interview. This guy's reporting on the interview and giving his opinion and analysis from a left-wing kook perspective. And he's the senior political journalist for the Washington Compost. Just report on what he said and let us draw our own conclusions. Instead, Aaron needs to tell us what to think. And this is why, Aaron, the the people despise the media, despise you, and your newspaper is bankrupt. But for the richest man on the face of the earth... Buying it and saving your sorry ass. But Barr was not only right about them, he was right about you and the media. And you know what, Aaron? You just demonstrated it. We can't wait for your next article. Now you're on our radar. We'll continue to watch. What else has he written in recent days? Let's see. Aaron Blake, senior political reporter. What Trump has said about Kamala Harris, stenographer. A new poll spotlights a key reason Biden is the 2020 favorite. The best argument for and against each of Biden's VP picks. Of course, William Barr, Trump's 2020 wingman. Trump's and the GOP's glaring inconsistency on executive orders. Cancel politics live with the fix. Politics live with the fix. Politics live. Trump suggested moving the election. What now? Who do you think Joe Biden should choose for VP? And crap like that. I remember when there were real reporters. Not phonies like this guy. Aaron. Aaron. Why don't you tell the truth about who you are and what you do. Rather than pretending to be a journalist. Why don't you show some ethics. Some honesty. Some integrity. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want facts, don't read Aaron Blake or the Washington Compost. It was a one-hour interview. Just listen to the interview. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I've had the guts from day one to call out this group, Black Lives Matter. We've revealed the audio from 2015. One of the co-founders saying she's trained in Marxism, and so is one of her other co-founders. Uh, we put that out for the nation. It was picked up by talk radio. It was picked up by Fox and other hosts and so forth and so on. 
This is, in fact, a Marxist organization. It is an enormously violent organization. It is an anti-Semitic organization. And it is an un-American organization. Its roots go deeply into Europe. Aaron Blake may want to check this out. It's all over the internet from some very substantial and credible sources. Studies. Evaluations. And so you have this looting that took place in Chicago. It's actually the third time this has taken place, but this was the worst. It was highly organized. It was very criminal. Jesse Jackson himself came out and said it was embarrassing. It was terrible. The mayor finally has condemned it. The poor police chief who came out of Dallas, he's not backed up. The courts are filled with leftists. The prosecutor was elected with the help of Soros. And you can see this in San Francisco. You can see it in other uh, cities as well. I guess Aaron would say that's a conspiracy theory and so forth. Because Aaron's a moron. But let's listen to uh, Ariel Atkins, who is the lead, one of the leading Black Lives Matter activists in Chicago. Cut 12, go. I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person hold has on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, that's not acceptable, regardless. But number two, they were driving up in vehicles. One guy had a U-Haul. They're grabbing tens of thousands of dollars of merchandise. That's not making sure somebody eats. That's Marxism. Tear down the system, burn down the system, and then replace it with the police state, in effect. Go ahead. That's reparations. That is reparations. Anything they want to take, take it, because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. My people aren't getting anything. Who does she represent? She doesn't represent anybody. And yet you can tell her English is exquisite. Highly educated, which means indoctrinated in one of our colleges or universities. She doesn't say she needs anything, and she doesn't know if all the people looting need anything. Again, that's not an acceptable answer anyway. But it's the same Marxist propaganda. And I wish Aaron Blake would spend more time addressing what's threatening our country rather than trying to give the Democrat talking points cover in the Washington compost against the Attorney General and others who are trying to address this. You have an African-American woman who was an outstanding police chief in Seattle. They tied her hands. They tied her feet. They tried to shut her up. She couldn't do anything. And yesterday she resigns on principle. She says, you spent $1.6 million in this city to bring in the best and the brightest recruits, rookies, and a year later you tell them you're going to get rid of them. I can't do that. I can't cut this police force, not with what's going on. I've had enough. I resign. Notice that jackass in New York City, he doesn't resign. He never even opens his big mouth. Big for other purposes. Police chiefs across this country should be resigning. Otherwise, they're the toadies, the handmaidens, the lapdogs of these crazy-ass mayors and city councils. But there's Black Lives Matter. So I want to challenge all the mouthpieces on ESPN. I want to challenge all the mouthpieces in the NBA and the NFL, including their coaches. I want to challenge Mitt Romney. I want to challenge all of them. 
when they talk about the organization Black Lives Matter, not the lives of individual black lives. I want to know how they justify this. Don't tell me it's a one-off. It's not a one-off. My God, they're stealing Nikes. That'll upset athletes, shouldn't it, Mr. Producer? They're not getting their cut. But the Democrats want us to follow shiny objects with their left-wing agenda. Free this, free that, free this, free that. Have you heard Bernie Sanders once, once denounce any of this? No, he's excited. The system's burning down. To quote Saul Linsky and Black Lives Matter. Quote, burn the system down, unquote. This from Fox News. Black Lives Matter members in Chicago had a rally to support the more than 100 arrested last night following widespread looting and rioting that caused at least $60 million in property damage and saw 13 police officers injured. The rally was organized by Black Lives Matter Chicago, was held at a police station in the South Loop where organizers say individuals are currently being held in custody. At least one organizer you heard called the looting tantamount to reparations. And you heard what she had to say. The unrest was prompted by a social media post urging people to converge on Chicago's business district after police shot a man on the south side. They didn't shoot a man on the south side. The man shot at the police. The police shot back. The police shot back. The shooting prompted hundreds of people to descend on downtown Chicago early Monday with vandals smashing the windows of dozens of business. Well organized, numerous vehicles, smashing windows, collecting stuff, going on to the next place. They're all poised. Poised. Even denounced by Jesse Jackson. I'm waiting for LeBron James. I'm waiting for Oprah Winfrey. I'm quite serious. I'm waiting for Bernie Sanders. I'm waiting for Nancy Pelosi. I'm waiting for Chuck Schumer. I'm waiting for Joe Biden. Not a word. I'm waiting for our historic figure, the great prosecutor, Harris. Not a word. I'll be right back. Conservative voice, the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. As we slowly adjust to this new normal, so-called, we still need to be smart about how we do business. Luckily, there's Stamps.com to make things easier. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. Even if there wasn't a pandemic, that's a good thing. You'll also save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. That's a great thing. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts to 62% and no residential surcharge. So let's recap. You can do this at home. You get huge discounts you don't get at the post office. You can use UPS services. You can get discounts up to 62%, and there's no residential surcharges. 
Why wouldn't you take advantage of this? Whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or if you're just working from home, you're just like me, and you need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle all of it with ease. Right now, you, my listeners, get a special offer. Now, that includes a four-week, that's one month, a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Four-week trial, free postage, digital scale, without any long-term commitment. Now, this is what you have to do. You have to go to stamps.com, easy enough. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, easy enough. Type in the word bunker. You know, like where I broadcast from. That's stamps.com, enter bunker. Stamps.com, enter bunker. Awful lot of people tell me they're doing this now, and they really, really like it. It changes their life for the better. So you don't have to go to the post office. Nice people at the post office, but still. If you can avoid it, you'll avoid it, right? And then, of course, uh, there's this in New York City. Man, I love New York City. That's where I got my start. I used to walk through the town. New York City used to be safe as could possibly be. Times Square. Everywhere. It's just a fantastic city. And now look what this bastard mayor did to it. Look what this bastard mayor did to New York City, to Kamio. Look what this fool governor did to his state and that city. It's sickening. It's sickening when you can see the possibilities of a well-run, safe city where people want to be. I mean, it's a stark contrast when you look at Rudy Giuliani and DiCamio. It's a stark contrast. And in many ways, that's the choice of this election. A Rudy Giuliani type versus a DiCamio type. And now, the tax base... You know, it's interesting... It's interesting, the Democrats never talk about when you lock people down, when they lose their jobs, when they lose their businesses. What happens to the payroll tax then, Mr. Producer? The business isn't contributing to it, and the employee's not contributing to it. But they never talk about that, do they, Biden? Some national chains, both retail and restaurants, are closing outlets in New York City, which are struggling more than their branches elsewhere. This is actually in the New York Slimes. I would call, call uh, Aaron Blake's attention to this, the senior political reporter over there at the Washington Compost. The tourists are gone. The office towers surrounding it are largely empty. And the restaurant, the Bryant Park Grill and Cafe in Midtown Manhattan, the restaurant's 1,000-seat dining room is closed. Instead, dinner is cooked and served on its patio, and the scaled-down restaurant brings in about $12,000 a day, an 85% plunge in revenue, its chief executive said. So they can't pay the staff, they can't pay their taxes, they can't pay for the inventory, and they can't pay their lease. So what happens? Five months into the pandemic, the drastic turn of events at businesses like Bryant Park Grill and Cafe that are part of national chains shows how the economic damage in New York has, in many cases, been far worse than elsewhere in the country. Well, of course, you have an idiot for a mayor. You have a Fidel Castro wannabe. In the heart of Manhattan, national chains, including J.C. Penney, Kate Spade, Subway, and others, have shuttered branches for good. 
So in other words, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, among other groups, have now redlined the cities, the inner cities and the business parts of the cities. Redlined them, meaning no more investment. People are going to get the hell out of there. They're not going to put up with this. People will move. They will depopulate. I told you this early on before there were riots. Many other large brands like Victoria's Secret and The Gap. Victoria's Secret? Bill Clinton will be upset. Maybe even Joe Biden, as Tara Reid. Have their high-profile locations closed to Manhattan while reopening in other states. Michael Weinstein, the chief executive of Arc Restaurants, which owns Bryant Park Cafe and Grill and 19 other restaurants, said he will never open another restaurant in New York. Ever. How about that? Of Arc Restaurants, five Manhattan restaurants, only two have reopened, while its properties in Florida, where the virus is far worse, according to this report. It's not the... Look, even that reporting is so stupid. The virus is far worse. The issue is the hospital usage and the death rates. But look, I, I can't keep beating my head against the wall on this stuff. So they've expanded in Florida. Outdoor seating with tents and tables under their parking lot, serving almost as many guests as they had indoor. Yes, because they're not molested. Quote, there's no reason to do business in New York, Mr. Weinstein said. I can do the same volume in Florida in the same square feet as I would have in New York, with my expenses being much less. The idea was that branding and locations were important, but the expense of being in this city has overtaken the marketing group that says you have to be there. Even as the city has contained the virus and slowly reopens, writes the mouthpiece for uh, Cuomo and de Bazio, there are ominous signs that some national brands are starting to abandon New York. The city's home to many flagship stores, chains, and high-profile restaurants that tolerated astronomical rents and other costs because of New York's global cachet and the reliable onslaught of tourists and commuters. But New York today looks nothing like it did just a few months ago. Now, let's stop right there. I pointed this out last evening. New York City, Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, parts of Philadelphia, Baltimore. They look like they were hit by by Messerschmitts. In other words, they look like they're bombed out cities from World War II. Parts of these cities. And not only is the Democrat Party running these cities, not only are these Democrats who are going to vote for Biden and the historic Kamala Harris, but for that reason and more, the Democrats will not denounce them. They won't denounce them. Manhattan's major retail corridors, from Soho to Fifth Avenue to Madison Avenue, once-packed sidewalks are now nearly empty. A fraction of the usual army of office workers goes into work every day. Many wealthy residents have left the city for their second homes. Many stores are still closed, some permanently, while those that are open have very little foot traffic. For four months, the Victoria's Secret, uh, this paper is obviously obsessed with Victoria's Secret. It's the New York Times, after all. Flagship store at Herald Square in Manhattan has been closed and not paying its $937,000 monthly rent. It's a lot of panties you get to sell for that, Mr. Producer. It will be years before retail is even a chance of returning to New York City in its pre-COVID form. The retailer's parent company recently told its landlord in a legal document. 
In the prime real estate areas, all the stores relying on having half international tourists and half local tourists are those from the local neighborhoods, said Thiago Hube, a founder of a jewelry company who had decided to close his flagship store on Madison Avenue before the pandemic struck because of high rents. Now brokers are calling him, trying to lure him back to the block. Mr. Hube, whose jewelry is sold in 80 department stores nationwide, is not interested. He said the avenue is no longer what it used to be. He's out. That's shocking. J.C. Penney and Neiman Marcus, the anchor tenants at two of the largest malls in Manhattan, recently filed for bankruptcy and announced that they would shutter those locations. See, this war on capitalism by the Marxists, it's working. It's working. People are going to be out of jobs. Businesses are going to broke, go broke. And there's a complete disconnect before, be, be, uh, between people on the government dole, either on the welfare state or on the payroll, athletes and coaches, Hollywood types, and everybody else. Working stiffs. They're being thrown out. The Neiman Marcus at Hudson Yards, the first in New York City, it only opened last year. That's name adorning the outside of the luxury mall, the centerpiece of the country's largest private development. And I can assure you, private development's dead. Some popular chains like the Shake Shack and Chipotle report their stores in New York were performing worse than others elsewhere. Investment analysts said a few dozen subway locations have closed in New York City in recent months. Uh, goes on. The Gap store near Rockefeller Center has stayed closed and has not paid its $264,000 monthly rent. Two TGI Fridays in prime locations, one near Rockefeller Center and another in Times Square, have remained closed while its restaurants elsewhere in the country have reopened. Anyone in the food and dining business is really suffering right now, said Vin McCann, a restaurant consultant. I think that's true in all the boroughs. New York's stringent lockdown, a methodical reopening. It brought the virus to heal, Mr. McCann said, but it's also wreaking havoc on business. Oh, BS. The incompetence in handling the virus, celebrating the rioters, thinking it's just grand old time. It's a lot of pain in that city. Landlords have started filing lawsuits against commercial tenants for not paying rent, accusing some national brands of trying to take advantage of the crisis. You see... The civil society has collapsed in these cities. It's collapsed in these cities. Now it's the law of the street. And then you have Black Lives Matter in Chicago. Literally destroying. It's retail and business center in that city. Literally destroying them. Even the mayor. Mayor Lightweight. Had to condemn it. Finally. Even Jesse Jackson condemned it. I still haven't heard from LeBron James. I still haven't heard from ESPN. Nothing. If they think that's their fan base, they're nuts. That's not their fan base. A lot of systemically racist white suburbs, which are neither systemically racist or purely white, Provide the support for these leagues that apparently hate the guts of the very people they live among. And this goes on and on and on. It's a very long story about what's happening to New York City. It's a damn shame. What's happened to Portland and Seattle? 
all right in front of our eyes, what's happened in Chicago, than these jackass, phony reporters who are unaffected by all of it. Aaron Blake and the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes and CNN and MSNBC, they think this is all a gain. They think this is about civil rights, destroying people's lives, looting, shooting, bankrupting. It's all about civil rights. We've got to get Trump out. What a damn shame. I'll be right back. Lovin. All right, boys, send me the uh, screen again, please, so I can pull up and see who's trying to call us. Here's the thing about home security companies. Most trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, and lousy customer support. So, while there are a lot of options out there, there's only one no-brainer, Simply Safe. Simply Safe's got everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. It's got an arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room, window and door tailored specifically for your home. Now, professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, and medical professionals if there's an emergency. You can set it up yourself in under an hour. Just peel and stick the sensors exactly where you need them. No technician required. And there's no contract, no pushy sales, guys, no hidden fees, no fine print. All this starts at $15 a month. So try Simply Safe today at simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. You get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. That's very cool. So there's really no risk. There's nothing to lose. Protect yourself, protect your family, protect what's in your home. That's simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com. All right, I'm going to ask All right, I think I can pull this up fast enough. Here we go. All right. There we are. Uh, Let's go to Esther, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go ahead. My son is in commercial real estate. And a couple weeks ago, he said, Ma, you Commercial real estate? Where? Um, He, in text, they have an office. No, no, no. Commercial real estate where? Uh, outside of New York. Okay. But he still has to go into Manhattan to do business. And he said, Ma, you don't have any idea what Manhattan looks like. It's a ghost town. One of the biggest secrets, biggest, best-kept secrets, and it's a dark secret in the industry, is that Manhattan real estate is starting to go into a free fall. This is the worst place to buy real estate now. You're better off getting 10 acres in western Texas in some little town over there than buying Manhattan real estate. Isn't it shocking that in the United States of America, you have to be thinking about self-defense. You have to be thinking about where do I go if my neighborhood's destroyed? What town, what county, what state, what country? People are talking to me about this all the time. And we can fix this. We can fit. throw Pelosi and her party the hell out of the House, increase the numbers in the Senate, give the president a landslide victory, then do anything you need to do to take care of business. That's Mark's attitude. 
Well, all right. Thanks for your call. You sound very down. Of course, we all are. Jeanette, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the Mark Levin app. How are you, Jeanette? Good uh, Good evening, Mr. Levin. It is an honor. Believe Thank me, you. Honor. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I'm glad you think there are great people that work for the post. Well, I'll tell you why I think that. Because when I go to the post office, uh, some of these uh, postal workers recognize me, and several of them are conservative Republicans. People don't realize this. Yes, we are. There's a and very and, and let me say, and very nice people. And I can't imagine standing there and doing that every damn day, dealing with the public. And that said, that said, it is a massively bureaucratic system, and one postal worker just can't fix it. You just can't fix it. And I've explained before, I'm no special pleader for this, that, or the other, but the reason the post office is in such dire straits, and I want to make this clear to everybody, is because the other bureaucracies, their pensions are not on the books. So when you look at federal pensions and all these departments and everything, we have no idea what the hell they are as a public. They're not on the books. So when they created the so-called new post office, quasi-private, quasi-public, they required the one entity in the federal government to put the pensions on the books. That's why the post office is broke. Go ahead. Okay, another reason, I'm sure you're aware of this also, in the same, uh, same aspect is that we were ordered by Congress to pre-fund 70 years of retirees' health care benefits, but do it in 10 years. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. If you apply that to the rest of the federal government, you'd see how deeply in trouble we are. Listen, I know you wanted to discuss other things. I'm going to have to move on. Well, hold on now. Let's hold her over. That's not fair. Let's hold you over. We'll finish your point, then we'll move on, okay? We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. By the way, we have a great... Levin TV tonight uh, on Kamala Harris. I did it this morning because I assumed she'd be the nominee. Isn't that amazing? Give us a call at 888-LEVIN-TV. You can join up. I think that's the number. Or go to levintv.com. I know that's the address. L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com. Now more than ever. Stick with me. Everything I went over in the first hour... I went over in the first hour so my friends on radio and Fox and so forth would have the material I research in hand, Mr. Producer. I send this material to you, Mr. Producer, any time from 2, 3, 4 in the morning throughout the day, don't I? All day, all night. Just the way it is. Drives my poor wife nuts. 
Um, so you will see the research I did and I put out there. I didn't have time to put it all on the social sites. The arguments that I've made that you are not going to be able to criticize Kamala Harris because of her sex and her her color. And I reject that completely. And all these other things, you're going to hear it repeated by the backbenchers on radio and TV. And I don't lament it. We got to be in this together. I'll do the work. It's okay. We just got to we got to get the information out there because we have a lot of propagandists in the media who are working for the Biden Harris team. So they're working for it. they're working to uh, hold the House, take the Senate, and of course destroy the president. Now let's take a look at this. The Associated Depressed. New York City's death toll in a nursing home. Even the associated depressed is annoyed with Cuomo. Riverdale Nursing Home in the Bronx appears on paper to have escaped the worst of the coronavirus pandemic. With an official state count of just four deaths in its 146-bed facility. The truth, according to the home, is far worse. 21 dead. Most transported to hospitals before they succumbed. It was a cascading effect, administrator recalled, one after the other. New York's coronavirus death toll and nurse... And I want you to keep in mind throughout this that mad Dr. Anthony Fauci pointed to New York as a success. New York's coronavirus death toll and nursing homes already among the highest in the nation. It's not among the highest in the nation. It's the highest in the nation. Listen could actually be a significant undercount. Unlike every other state with major outbreaks, New York only counts residents who died on nursing home property and not those who were transported to hospitals and died there. This is sick. The statistic could add thousands to the state's official care, a home care death toll of just over 6,600. But so far, the administration of Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo has refused to divulge the number, leading to speculation the state is manipulating the figures to make it appear it's doing better than other states and to make a tragic situation less dire. This is shocking. Again, the Democrats are going to cover for Cuomo. You don't hear a single demand from any of their committee chairmen to have hearings about this. Not one. That's a problem, bro, said Senator Gustavo Rivera, a Democrat, told New York Health Commissioner Howard Zucker during a legislative hearing on nursing homes earlier this month. That's the state. We don't have any on the Fed side. Seems, sir, that in this case you are choosing to define it differently so that you can look better. How big a difference could it make? Since May, federal regulators have required nursing homes to submit data on coronavirus deaths each week whether or not residents died in the facility or at a hospital. And because the requirement came after the height of New York's outbreak, the available data is relatively small. According to the federal data, roughly a fifth of the state's homes reported resident deaths from early June to mid-July, a tally of 323 dead, 65% higher than the state's count of 195 during that time period. Even if half that undercount had held true from the start of the pandemic, That would translate into thousands more nursing home resident deaths than the state has acknowledged. Let me just be blunt. Let me put this in a way 
that even Aaron Blake over at the Washington Compost can understand. To blame the President of the United States for these deaths, as Matt Drudge does day in and day out on his pathetic, now pathetic website. As media, Dan Abrams, that pathetic fraud, who's all over cable TV with courthouse this and PD that, he's a leftist activist just like his, his sister, the judge, just like his brother-in-law, the prosecutor, running that slop website called Mediaite. They dare not, dare not make an issue out of what Cuomo did and New York City did. They dare not make an issue of what these Democrat governors have done. They're out to get Trump. So he's to blame. Another group of numbers also suggest an undercount. State health department surveys show 21,000 nursing home beds lying empty this year. 13,000 more than expected. Well, what do you think happened? An increase of almost double the official state nursing home death tally. Some of the increase could be attributed to fewer new admissions and people pulling their loved ones out. But it suggests that others who aren't there are dead. However flawed New York's count, Cuomo has not been shy about comparing it to tallies in other states. Nearly every time Cuomo's question about New York's nursing home death toll, he brushes off criticism as politically motivated and notes that his state's percentage of nursing home deaths uh, out of its overall COVID-19 death toll is around 20%, far less than Pennsylvania's 68%, Massachusetts 64%, New, uh, New Jersey's 44%. Quote, look at the basic facts where New York is versus other states, Cuomo said. Look at where New York is as a percentage of the nursing home deaths. It's all the way at the bottom of the list. He should be required to submit this data under penalty of perjury. He'd be a lifer in prison. In another briefing last month, he touted New York's percentage ranking as 35th in the nation. Go talk to, th- go talk to 34 other states. Please. Go talk to the Republican states now, Florida, Texas, Arizona. Ask them what's happening in nursing homes. It's all politics. Boston University geriatrics expert Thomas Pearls said it doesn't make sense that nursing home resident deaths as a percentage of total deaths in many nearby states are more than triple, more than triple what New York has reported. Quote, whatever the cause, there's no way New York could be truly a 20 percent, Pearls said. Cuomo's spokesman didn't respond to repeated requests for comment. A running tally by the Associated Depress shows that more than 68,000 residents and staff in nursing homes and long-term facilities across the nation have died from the coronavirus out of more than 164,000 overall deaths. For all 43 states, the breakout nursing home data, resident deaths make up 44% of total deaths in their states. Assuming the same proportion held in New York, That would translate to more than 11,000 nursing home deaths. Cuomo's lying about matters of life and death. He's all about politics. His low IQ, stupid brother, Fredo Cuomo at CNN. CNN will never, never do a tough report on Cuomo. Never. Neither will MSNBC. And you won't hear Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. You won't hear them do it either. Because they've all sold out. 
The goal is to make Trump look as bad as possible. If you don't believe me, look at the Drudge Report. That's the whole point. The pandemic, it's, Drudge, it's, uh, it's Trump's fault. The death, it's Trump's fault. Schools closed, Trump's fault. Trump's fault. Trump's fault. So stupid, so asinine. Then you have this fool in his basement who did a disastrous job with a disease that was much less widespread and complex, and that's the swine flu. I'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, let's go back to Jeanette, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on the Mark Levin app, works for the post office. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you doing? Good. What were you going to say before I rudely took a commercial? <laughs> That's okay. I'll forgive you this time. Don't let it yes. happen again. Yes. Um, the, the city that I work in, I'm a rural carrier out of the county seat for the county that I live in. And back when we had the primaries, um, one of the clerks in the office that I work in noticed since all of the mailed-in ballots were coming to our office, since we're the county seat, and then being transferred to the courthouse, the clerk noticed that on the back of the envelopes that the people mailed in, there was a letter D and a letter R, in amongst um, all of the other stuff. That a letter D and a letter R, so people could know who's voting what and throw them away. You think? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's maybe why? Now, was that official? They had the letters on the back. Oh yeah, yeah. They um, every ballot had that. Every ballot that was mailed in, yeah. If you requested a mail-in ballot, the ballot the end on the back of the envelope, it was like there would be. It was up in the corner, and it would be on the same on the same side of the. P- people don't realize how corrupt Philadelphia is. That's my hometown. How corrupt the Democrat Party machine is, how corrupt voting is in that city, it's a disaster. It, I mean, and you think about it, you know, it's coming into the courthouse. It's like, oh, well, there's a D, let's, you know, there's an R. In, in our right. case, it would be the R thrown out or disappearing or not being counted. Or honestly, out. let's say you had a postal worker who didn't want to, they can get rid of it. You know, there's crooks everywhere. There is. You're exactly right. You're exactly uh, Unbelievable. Right. So it's just that easy. It's just that easy for voter fraud. And the media pretend otherwise. Isn't that sickening? They know exactly what's going to happen on election night, don't they? 
I, I do believe it. <laughs> and, and there's not enough money you can spend on the post office to fix this. No. Because it has nothing to do with the post office. Right. It's corruption. It's corruption on the other end. And these lists are all wrong, and the Democrats don't want to fix their lists. And we saw 500,000 ballots wrongly uh, sent out in Virginia. 200,000 in Nevada. 102,000 in California. I mean, we're barely touching the surface here. Mark, let me, let me direct one more thing. We're also noticing... As a delivery person, I had four, four um, letters from the unemployment compensation ended. You can tell there was a little credit card type thing inside. They're finding that there is a bunch of unemployment compensation fraud going on. We're intercepting letters and returning them to the postal inspectors. I had four for one address, and I know for a fact these people do not live in this house. So people are now playing the system, fraudulent checks are going out, and God knows how much that is. They're the debit, like they're the debit card type sort of thing, and it's, it is sickening. It is sickening. Who knows what's going on with this unemployment compensation stuff? It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And thank you very much, Jeanette. I appreciate it very, very much. You too. Let's go to Andy, Staten Island, New York, the great WABC. Andy, you're on. Go. Great one. I had told you my mom found you on Sunday. She was a friend of Bob Grant's, and my father, like in his circle. And we were listening to you since then. She's not around now, but she'd be so happy that I'm talking to you. Thank you. Never in my life did I think I would ever want to move out of New York. But after this thing that Cuomo put us through and having to hear everybody say how great Cuomo was, I was going crazy. And he won't even answer questions about the nursing home. Because mm-hmm. he knows all the Democrats in New York and New York City are going to keep voting Democrat. It's the sickest thing I've ever seen. But here's the other problem, to be honest with you, Andy. You're going to have a lot of liberal Democrats leaving these communities and moving to Republican states and voting Democrat. It is a disease. It's, there's something wrong with people. You know, and people actually believe that Trump is everything they say. Meanwhile, Trump loves this country like you do. Like yes, you're I right. Do. You're right. Why else would he do this damn job? Joe Biden does it because he wants power and his family wants to make money off the government. Trump doesn't make money off the government. In fact, he donates his salary every year and he gets no points for that either. Right. Wasn't that great how he was flying around his own plane? He spent his own money. I mean, what more do they want? That's the candidate I've been dreaming of my whole life. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, here, here's the deal. He stepped up for this country. Now the question is, are enough of us going to step up and support him? He's taken more crap. His family's taken more crap. They've been investigated. They've been brutalized. Their characters have been assassinated. Uh, their lives are threatened. Now, are we going to stand up for him or not? Are we going to let him go down? I mean, this, this has to stop. Remind me of Biden when he's like, Joe, stand up. Oh, my God, Joe's yeah. in a wheelchair. Everybody. Crap. As I pointed out on uh, Fox and Friends Sunday, and then it was repeated, guys riding a bike with a mask on. You don't have to ride a bike with the mask on. You're supposed to wear a helmet. Yeah, yeah. 
he should have a helmet at his age, Biden. He might go down at any time. Yeah, how do you know he hasn't? All right, my friend. Thank you very much. Andy, people are leaving. My concern is they're going to flood into these Republican states and vote for Democrats. I just hope that they don't destroy Florida. I hope they don't destroy Tennessee. Virginia's already destroyed. My wife and I are thinking about getting the hell out of here. Seriously. I'm tired of fighting for my Second Amendment rights. These Democrats get in, and the two months later, they're just shredding everything. Because that's what they are. They're the legislative equivalent to Antifa. That's what I say. This is the Antifa Democrats. That's who they are. Amy, Colorado Springs, Colorado, XM Satellite. Go! Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You um, if you come to Colorado, we'd love to have you here. Yeah, well, um, your state's gone, too. But anyway, go right ahead. Um, to me, as a woman... And by the way, Colorado was the first one. That's where the test case came, where they decided to change it. Colorado, 20 years ago, was a solid red state. Now it is a pretty solid blue state, and now and then they squeeze out a Republican statewide. Go right ahead. Um, My comment was just on Kamala Harris. To me, as a woman, um, Biden picking Kamala Harris is the most sexist thing he could have done. And the most racist. He doesn't look at her qualifications. If he did, he wouldn't have picked her. Yeah, but luckily nobody looks at his. You have to keep something in mind with the left and newspapers and the Democrat Party. There's genitalia and there's genitalia. You understand what I'm saying? So in other words, a woman who's a conservative or Republican needs to be destroyed. They ignore her genitalia. But a woman who is a left-wing Democrat, her genitalia has a it's sort of higher on the political spectrum you know what i mean all righty <laughs> i'll be right back amac the association of mature american citizens is one of the fastest growing organizations in america now over two million conservative members strong and i'm one of them AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. People talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Joe, Nashville, Tennessee. How are you, sir, on the, on the great WTN? Go. I am great, Mark. How are you? All right. Good. I thought you might uh, be interested to find that there is a small business in good old Murfreesboro, Tennessee, mm-hmm. that stood up to the mob uh, effective last 
Sunday when I sent out a very, very harmless uh, Facebook post to my customers on my Facebook page explaining to them why we chose not to wear masks in our hot commercial kitchen. Um, got good response. In your what? In your what commercial? Our, we don't, we, our, oh, our, we don't wear yeah. masks, a face mask in our commercial kitchen. Yeah, of course. And, and so I sent that out. It's just it's too hot. I gave all the reasons why. Um, the, day, the next day, 30-plus thousand people have seen that email, a thousand hateful comments coming from all over the country, and I decided that I was not going to lay down. So I stood up. I fought back. I've continued to fight back. We have had people from all over this region as well as other places supporting our business. Uh, we are canceling the cancel culture by blocking and deleting them when they jump on our page. Uh, now, if I, if I mention your business, will you be in trouble or will it help? Oh, no, no, no. I, there, I can't be in trouble. I've done nothing wrong. What's the name? I mean, are you going to have more people trying to harm your business? Oh, not at all. We're not worried about that, Mark. What's there the name of your business? It is Spookies, S-P-O-O-K-Y-S, Pizza and Grill in Walter Hill, Tennessee. All right. Let's go there. Oh, yeah, that man. would be we're, great. I wish I was. How far are you from Nashville? We're about 35 minutes outside of Nashville. And, mm-hmm. and the, the amount of patriotism, the amount of Americans that have stood up behind us and said, hey, we're with you all the way, our volume has doubled. And I have thanked these boneheads for jumping into my business and sticking Well, now nose. your volume is going to do more than that. What's the name again? It is Spooky's Pizza and Grill. And I don't know you, do I? You don't know me. I've never met you. I've never spoken to you. I love your show, but I've never called because I didn't have a reason to. I just love to listen. But I thought you might like, uh, like to hear that there is a... Uh, one American business here, as well as others, I'm sure. All right, let me ask you a question. It's personal. And everyone's going to laugh, but I have to. I'm lactose intolerant. Do you make pizza without cheese? Have you ever had anyone come in and say, I'll take it, maybe put some sausage on there? I can't have the cheese. We have a full four-page plant-based menu that is for folks like you, as well as a full traditional menu as well, recognized for having some of the best plant-based pizza in the country. Boy, that's quite a business you have. What's your website? Uh, it is www.spookies, with an S, pizza, T-N, for Tennessee. Now, now where, where are these leftists coming on to attack you? Where are they doing that? Well, basically what they're doing is, or what they've tried to do, is they have decided that we are breaking the law because we have a mandate. I don't care what they think. Where are they going to attack you? Oh, they, oh, they have taken our Google ratings, our Yelp, um, the, the ratings that we've worked for four and so a half if, years. So if, so if the Levinite army wants to go online and defend you, where do they go? They would go to, uh, oh gosh, hold on, uh, Facebook. Don't blow it. www.facebook forward slash so good it's scary. That's our Facebook page or just find Spooky's Pizza and Grill on Facebook. Uh, All right. They'll find us there. And that's what's happened, though. People have said if they're going to bang your ratings down by lies, then we're going to go in and provide you. So I want to encourage my audience. Let's have a little fun tonight. Let's go on those sites and take care of business. I love it. All right, my friend. This is the best call you made in your life. I I wish you all the best. Well, thank you so much. All right, Joe. God bless. Sal, Long Branch, New Jersey, the great WABC. Sal, how are you, sir? Good. How are you, Mark? I'm lovely. Thank you. I just wanted to say on Sunday, this past Sunday, the president came uh, to Long Branch, New Jersey. Um, and when he landed, we had hundreds of people, maybe even a thousand people, standing all around within the blocks that he was, uh, that where he landed. And we were all there cheering, supporting. 
It was people came from all over Monmouth County, just real patriotism and just supporting this president just to show him how much we love America and how we don't, we all united, no matter our beliefs, no matter our faith, because we support what he's doing. We support this country. And look, and he's we, not going to win New Jersey, but still, you got to go out and vote. You got to push up the, the popular vote numbers, correct? Correct. All right, so anything else? Matter where nothing. As long as we, we support America and we support you. Aren't you kind? Thank you, Sal. Take care of yourself. I meet some of the nicest people in New Jersey. I really do. I'm not talking about left-wing kook Democrats who are all over the place. But I'll go to like a Jewish deli or I'll go to a grocery store or I'll go to Italian... I love Italian food. Truth be told, it's my favorite, Italian food. If I get a little tired of that, I get Chinese. A little tired of that, I'll get Mexican... But Italian food, I could eat it like any time, Mr. Producer. And there's all kinds of... And, you know, I like pasta. May I say that? I think I will. I like pasta, but I like steak sandwiches and meatballs and spaghetti and... Man, I'm hungry. Aren't you hungry, everybody? Anyway, back to the grind. Here is uh, Cuomo. Sorry to depress everybody. Mario Cuomo, no, I mean, uh, well, they're all the same. Andrew Cuomo, in an interview yesterday, uh, don't you think we need an independent investigation? And by the way, again, no Democrats in Congress, so Biden, they don't want independent investigations on all the deaths that occurred in nursing homes as a result of Cuomo. Hey, you know what? What is it, Dr. Fauci? New York knew what it was. New York was the best there, yeah, yeah. Lockdown, wearing masks, you know, doing a, pushing uh, COVID-positive patients in the nursing homes. We gotta, you've heard about herd immunity. We're, doing, uh, we're thinning out the herd. That's, that's what we're doing. Uh, and I'm the Fouts. Don't question me. Cut 11, go. No, I wouldn't do an investigation as to whether or not it's political. Everybody can make that decision for themselves. Uh, I think you'd have to be blind to realize it's not political. Uh, just look at where it comes from and look at the sources and look at their political affiliation and look at who wrote the letter in Congress and look at what publications read And look it. at the and- Associated Press and look at the memo you put out on March 25th. And look at all the deaths on your hands. And look at how you're, you're using the numbers in order to cover up, you stupid moron. You're a disgrace. I was on to you. What was it, March 25th, March 26th, when we had that magnificent caller. I was ringing the alarms all over the damn place. About what you were doing to senior citizens. Senior citizens. The Democrats hate senior citizens. They use senior citizens like they use minorities. They want you scared to death. Somebody's going to take away your Medicare. The only one who took away your Medicare was Obama with Obamacare and Biden. Then they're going to lower the age from 65 to 60. Now try and get into a doctor's office. Now try to get your Medicare bills paid. When the trustees say it's going bankrupt in four years, Biden has an idea because Bernie the Red... He wants to lower the age so everybody's on Medicare. They'll lower it to 60, then 55, then 50. Then you'll have nothing. You'll have free health care but no medicine. They hate senior citizens. Look what they did in New York. Look what they did in New Jersey, Illinois. Look what they've done. 
to the most vulnerable among us. They hate senior citizens. They use senior citizens. Same with minorities in so many respects. No school choice. Why? Well, then we have to take money from public schools. No, but it follows the student, just like colleges and universities. The school down the street, just spend more money. Give teachers. Oh, by the way, you know what's going on in my county? My county, where we're about 35 miles from Washington, but we can't get away from the leftists. Because they built a subway system right, right here. This is what the idiot Republican developers do. Low-income housing, dense housing, subways, 35 miles from Washington, D.C. Where are the environmentalists when you need them? Nowhere. Same cabal. Anyway, where was I? You know what they want to do in my county? They have a few hundred million dollars. Imagine that, because schools for half the year were closed. A few hundred million dollars. You know what they want to do with that money? You're not going to believe this. Increase the teachers' salaries. Do you believe that, Mr. Producer? They haven't had in-classroom personal education since February. They're not going to have it now. And they want to give the teachers a raise. Because the Democrats took over the Board of Supervisors. And so they use your damn tax dollars, my damn tax dollars, to subsidize their constituent groups, their voters, their organizers, the unions. And so the teachers, and you watch on election day, all of a sudden, they'll be out in mass. Can't go into the cla- hey, classroom, can't go, that's too, give me a salary increase. But they'll show up on election day. You watch. They'll be at those precincts. They'll be man in those precincts. Millions of them. Millions of them. Because Biden needs them. Not teaching. Politics. I'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. You're going to see people, and I'm not going to play the clips, of John, like John Kasich, who's on CNN, who now wants you to believe that his faith and his belief in conservatism have caused him to support Joe Biden and oppose Donald Trump. He's a liar. 
He's a sleazeball. And yet he will be promoted. You're going to see people like Joe Scarborough, who's another liar and a buffoon, who's decided that his personal wealth is more important, in my opinion, than your liberty. You're going to see people like Stempy Hoyer, the number two Democrat in the House. You're going to see people like him who are desperate to be reelected in districts that are increasingly minority. He will do anything to hold on to power. Anything. Because he doesn't want to give up his seat to a minority. Michelle Obama's out there now. How much time do we have, Mr. Producer? She's out there now. This, I'm afraid, I have to play. This is Michelle Obama on YouTube, released yesterday. Cut 10, go. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for all that you're doing to help everyone in this country make their voices heard in this year's election and in every election. Your work has never been more important. From the ongoing pandemic to the passion and protests we've seen for racial and social justice. Stop. It's cl- Do you know she was first lady for eight years and her husband was also a uh, president? And now we have a passion for racial and social justice. Isn't their hypocrisy grotesque? Absolute frauds. That's right, Stephen A. She's an absolute fraud. Go ahead. Clear that we're in the middle of a big moment in this country. And that means we need leadership that honestly reflects who we are and what we stand for. And that's Joe Biden. That's for sure. He honestly reflects who we are and what we stand for. Go ahead. Our job between now and November is to make sure everyone we know understands that the power to make change. I'm so tired of these pseudo revolutionaries who live in their massive estates and fly private jets and collect hundreds of millions of dollars. These pseudo phony revolutionaries going about social justice and racial justice in the most socially just and racially just nation on the face of the damn earth. I am so sick and tired of it. I'm so tired of her and Biden and Pelosi and the whole bunch of them. They're not contributing to the betterment of this country with this bullcrap. There are things we could honestly do that would improve the state of this country for everyone. There are things we can honestly do in our inner cities that would improve the state of life for people who live in lousy communities. There's things we can do, but they won't let us do them. Instead, we got to hear this. We have to hear this. Michelle Obama hasn't brought freedom to anybody. She hasn't brought wealth to anybody. She hasn't brought equality to anybody. She hasn't improved the lives of the vast majority of the American people. How do I know? Well, they were in office for eight years. That's how I know. That's how I know. They pretend they're down for the revolution. They are the system. The Obamas have more power than I do, than any of you do. They're the system. They run the Democrat Party. They got money flowing out of every orifice. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back tomorrow. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I think I should be on first take, don't you, Mr. Producer? Put me on there for 10 minutes. I'd like to be on first take on ESPN. What the hell? I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.